Good afternoon, everyone. This is Pam Montgomery, and I will be your host today on this teleseminar for the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries. It is uh, one of those lovely wintry days, and so I'm figuring most folks might be inside today listening to this teleseminar, dreaming of when they can be outside again and talking to their plants when they start to come back and talking to their land. So we are so excited today to have with us Patrick McManaway. And Patrick, is um, he's been doing this kind of work for a long time. He started as a kid because he's a third-generation practitioner of psychic and healing arts, and uh, his parents, um, you know, he's come, this has been handed down to him through his lineage, and he, he's trained in both Western medicine and in the arts of geomancy and shamanism, and he works a lot with earth energy and balancing the earth energies and earth acupuncture, which is very exciting for where there's geopathic stress uh, re- remediation that's needed, and space clearing for for houses and for land areas, and just he just does some amazing, amazing work. And um, he was trained by his parents and grew up in Scotland, where that's where he's from, and graduated in um, medicine. So he's actually a medical doctor from Edinburgh University before beginning apprenticeships in both Western and Eastern approaches to traditional geomancy. He's also a past president of the British Society of Dowsers and a founding member of Circles for Peace. And he also helped to design the Burlington Earth Clock because Patrick um, is part-time here in Vermont and um, other times he's in England, in the UK, and he does a lot of work in Australia, so he's he's covering the globe right now. He's also written books, so we've got a few books here, The Practical Guide to Dowsing, How to Harness the Earth's Energies for Health and Healing, Cultivating the Light Body, and Keys to Grace. So we are in for a very exciting hour here with Patrick, and I'm so, so grateful, Patrick, that you were willing to join us, and I'm looking forward to what you have to share with us. So please, um, tell us about Tell us about land whispering and what that means for us. <clears throat> well, Pam and uh, everybody on, on the call this afternoon, uh, thank you so much for inviting me to uh, share a little of my work into your circle, uh, which from what Pam shares with me is a very sophisticated and deep and diverse network of amazing people. So um, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here and just sharing stories from the field. <clears throat> Uh, with other people who are uh, engaged in the same material. Um, um, Just in terms of, before getting into stories and specifics, just to share a little bit about my sort of metaphysical map, uh, so that the way that I'm using words and language is is clearly understood. Um, So, um, when I'm looking at landscape, I'm looking first at uh, the energetic framework, um, almost the, the crystalline matrix or the, uh, the, the, the lines within the toroidal field, the lines within the, uh, the geometry of place. And uh, I think we call those the dragons. Um, they're the, the pathways of connection and communication, but they're also the, um, the sort of formative, they hold the formative force uh, as well as bringing life energy through everything. So. Um, first, first uh, deepest layer uh, in landscape that I look at is that uh, dragon line energy or earth energy, uh, various grids and matrices and ley lines and underground water and and so forth. <clears throat> and then within that stable toroidal field that the dragon lines are part of, I think, uh, in my map of the world. Um, then uh, that allows elemental structure to have a space to form in a stable way. And so then we have all of the physical, uh, as perceived by us, uh, elemental world and the intelligences uh, that are within and behind uh, that uh, realm. And so elemental consciousness uh, is next up for the dragons. And then in that world that those have created for us, inhabit the nature spirits, the plant spirits, the animal spirits, the human spirits, um, uh, seen and unseen, and then um, next layers out in the onion would be the higher uh, celestial beings, angelic, archangelic, and then out um, 
uh, to the point where we're at the edge of the onion and we're all, 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 all just one onion, as it were. So working in, in practice with, um, with place uh, through my lens, most of the work is focused um, uh, first on uh, the healing of any hurts, um, residual stresses from uh, construction or quarrying or mining, uh, stresses of a physical nature that have disturbed uh, the dragon pathways and the elemental consciousness and perhaps uh, displaced habitat for nature spirits, uh, various stresses uh, from physical changes in landscape. And then the other kind of hurt uh, in landscape, obviously, is um, the residual human uh, imprint of thought and feeling, particularly if it's, um, if it's in a trauma state. Uh, I have to work with sites, uh, the battlefield sites and massacre sites and places that have hosted rape or murder or suicide or, uh, in lesser degrees, bankruptcy or hardship or bereavement. And so um, a little bit like a beach uh, carrying footprints in the sand, um, the, the patterning uh, of, of consciousness and the patterning of, of the earth energy in the, in the place will tend to molds to the human, um, the expressed human thought and feeling, and then have that as a place memory, which may be very active and precipitate repeat uh, experiences of a similar tone. And so um, that sort of psychic emotional environment, uh, as well as the physical environment, uh, needs to be attended to to make sure that a place is clear, and I, I think a nice metaphor for that is the tide coming in and washing over the footprints and the tide going out and leaving us with a, a blank canvas. Um, I just say in passing in terms of technique, um, we don't want to eradicate, and I don't think we can eradicate, uh, place memory. We're not trying to sandblast it or, or um, uh, eradicate from the history. I think more in terms of uh, how we used to manage photographs, uh, the family album and the prints would be taken out and the best ones kept. And at least in my family, the, the date would be written and where we were and who was there. And then they'd go, it would be closed and it'd be put on the shelf and we could pull it out at any time, but it wasn't open on the coffee table, um, calling us to some other place and time than now. Um, so place memories can act a bit like that or a bit like an open live streaming uh, window on your uh, on your desktop uh, that's taking bandwidth and bringing a particular informational tone uh, that otherwise your mind um, there's no longer contemporary and appropriate so so the healing of hurts um, uh, in that regard also uh, there's sort of um, uh, spiritual janitorial services uh, that need to be performed for any ghosts um, or uh, earthbound uh, human souls that are still place associated um, uh, partly for their own um, freedom and, and release into the heaven realm, partly so that they're not clouding uh, our consciousness in place and also so they're not uh, holding the uh, consciousness of the place back. So that's the sort of first round of business is, is the healing of hurts, and then uh, once that's done, it's all fun because then it's just communication uh, with these different uh, layers of consciousness and bringing them into our conversation and our entering into their conversation so that a, a cooperative participatory um, uh, collective field of consciousness, including all of us, uh, can be established. Uh, we used to perhaps call that a consecration of place, uh, just letting the elementals know whether it's a home or a factory or a farm or a, uh, a warehouse or a healing center, um, because um, uh, the frequency of perception of the elementals and nature spirits is uh, within our uh, perceptual frequency, but it doesn't include our beta consciousness very much, which is a thinking, rational, cognitive, uh, mental frequencies um, and so uh, when we're in that uh, an elemental looking at a human mind in beta frequency is a bit like being a, a diver underwater looking at the shadow of a boat they can see that we're there we can they can perceive our presence 
that they can't read, whether we're a fishing boat or a warship or a lilo with kids out having a picnic. Um, but if we simply enter, and I'm sure I'm really teaching to the choir, preaching to the choir here uh, in terms of uh, how to posture the mind in terms of plant spirit communication uh, with this group, um, but bringing it down into alpha or theta, communicating with visual images, um, adding emotional content um, as well as, as thinking content uh, brings us down into that frequency. So the, the alignment of um, team spirit uh, and making sure that everybody knows what everybody's up to um, is, is then a sort of ongoing conversation with landscape. Uh, and sometimes that's, that's just a renewal of, yes, you're still a lawn, thanks for being a lovely lawn, anything you need to be a happy lawn, or if we're in an agricultural rotational system, then every time new crops are planted, uh, just to make sure that the field is clear about what the ask is, who's coming in, what the genetics are, who the divas of plant are, whether they're known, making sure they're hosted and welcomed and integrated so that the life forces can be properly aligned. Um, spirit of farm, spirit of soil, spirit of plant, um, and um, obviously aligning the weather, uh, the weather beings with, with that whole conversation, communication. And that's really the process, Pam, uh, sort of overall in terms of what I'm up to in the world uh, with land whispering. Um, and it applies across every scale and to whether it's a bedroom or um, an industrial site or um, a nightclub or a farm. Um, so that's just sort of preview a bit and um, so you have so it's really you you have you've mapped out you've actually what you're describing here is is a map which anybody can follow yes, is that what exactly. you're saying yes that's that's a lap, that's a map of landscape intelligence that it's most simple but i think you know the, the the framework is simple and then we can hang a lot of detail uh into that mm -hmm. um but the main the main issue i think with all of this material is having a map that we can make sense then of our perceptions and experiences and some kind of perceptual framework to engage with when we're in communication um that way yeah great <laughs> that's good okay so right. um, i just want to make sure that everybody understood that you when you were talking about the frequencies that you know we're operating in beta most of the time and what we want to do is shift that to a frequency that's more in alignment with the landscape and the plants and the trees and everything, right? Um, we, we need to meet them at their own level of consciousness, I think, right. uh, okay. if we want to ensure clear communication. And I think the experience of that, in truth, is slightly different for everybody. Um, what's what I sort of know physiologically, generically, is um, these four defined uh, levels of our own uh, consciousness, beta, which is 30 to 15 uh, waves per second, is, is what's happening when we're sort of thinking in linear fashion. And then alpha is the sort of uh, more peaceful and dreamlike state that you go into, but still alert. Um, when you're doing a repetitive physical task like washing the dishes or driving. Um, and then theta is the daydream or the waking or, or sleeping dream. Theta is when visual images are predominant. Uh, so that's the dream state, uh, more sort of shamanic journey state. And then delta is, um, we're not really aware of delta. It's way down bottom. I think it's sort of what's, what's running your metabolism and making sure your heart remembers to beat. Um, so the ones that we sort of explore between are these beta, alpha, and theta. Um, uh -huh. um, I think that um, the, the yogic state and the state that healers go into has been demonstrated to be one where all four of those frequency sets are fully awake in both left and right hemispheres. So I think there's a global awakening uh, that maybe, you know, traditionally is called an enlightenment or a grace state or a bliss state. Um, so it's not withdrawing from thinking into dreaming. It's more including uh, a bit like riding a bicycle or um, all, all of our consciousness in a global fashion. 
so that there's equal space for intuition and instinct and imagination and uh, analytical, analytical thought, but they're sort of in a balance. Uh, we tend as a culture, I think, to predominate. We're either in go-fast thinking executive mode or we're, you know, vegging out in front of the telly or where, you know, we, we tend to move between uh, frequency modes, I think, uh, whereas it looks like but you can go into just a plant communication mode and stay there for sure as an exclusive. Um, but it looks like the holy grail is to have uh, the whole of our perception and awareness uh, fully awake um, altogether. Mm. Okay, so like, um, we've, so what do we do with all this? <laughs> okay, so what do we do at home? Back on theme, sorry. Um, <laughs> so in that context, I want to share um, a couple of my favorite plant whispering stories. And um, the uh, first one is of, uh, this is a farm um, that I was invited to work on in New South Wales outside of a town called Gundawindi. And as the name suggests, it's been well and heavily settled by Aboriginal people before white farmers had taken the land. And there had been a massacre on the property. Um, so uh, 100 years on, the folk that I'm working for are doing biodynamics there. They've got radionics towers up. They're um, doing regenerative uh, uh, lands and uh, grasslands management practices. Uh, but their comment uh, to me and the reason for asking me to go is they said, we've got Rolls-Royce property, but it doesn't have spark plugs. It's just not working. It's not running. It's not anywhere near fulfilling its uh, potential. Um, and so I went along and uh, looked in the way that I've just shared. Um, and what was clear was firstly that um, there were Aboriginal souls present in the landscape. There was still tremendous uh, residual emotional and intellectual stress from the displacement. Um, and the elementals hadn't been talked to since this had happened and were carrying a shock state. And um, also, the farm didn't really have the software of agriculture or, or, or all of these introduced species. So there was chaos and confusion and, um, and despair and, um, and overwhelming sadness uh, across the landscape. So my business then was to, to go through that protocol of layer by layer, um, healing and freeing and restoring balance. Uh, and then finally, um, bringing in the concept, the sort of software of uh, fixed agricultural settlements and monoculture cropping and rotation and just making sure that the, uh, the elementals were clear about what was going on because they'd been whispered to for 40,000 years in a completely different conversation about uh, hunting and kangaroo and uh, all, all just totally different, different conversation from the, the sort of Western agricultural model. So we did this, and then two weeks after my visit, they planted a crop of a grain called sorghum, which is very well adapted to uh, those climate conditions. And um, they ended their sorghum crop uh, with their highest ever gross yield, um, f uh, 40, uh, 42% higher uh, than their previous best. And um, further to that, they were the only one of 10 local area farms uh, that did not have to spray pesticides um, to keep the crop free from a, a, a grub that predates upon it called a heliophis grub um, uh, because their crop was so full of uh, spiders and wasps that naturally eat that grub uh, under the natural biological uh, balance in the system. So we end up here seeing, um, uh, first of all, their, their, their bumper yield, uh, that only happens once. Um, but that's to do with the freeing up of, of all this uh, life force that's been in a stress uh, pattern and unavailable, uh, therefore, to, to help growing crops. Quite extraordinary uh, that it could be to that percentage. So. Um, fully, and we often see about a 30%. That's the sort of plus or minus depending, but 30% is a pretty classic repeated 
if you take a landscape out of trauma, you'll tend to see about a 30% yield increase in the first year because that's, that's the amount of life energy growing force that's been locked up uh, in different patterns of stress held uh, within the earth energies and the elemental and nature spirit realms. Um, but also this marvelous advantage that once the elementals and the nature spirits clearly understood what crop it was that they were being asked to grow and the circumstances surrounding it, um, then all the, uh, all the natural uh, biological defenses and companion insects uh, showed up. We think about companion plants, but companion insects are tremendously important too. So I think that that's one of my... That's one of my best stories, but I think it also it's one of my best because it illustrates so many of those points in such a dramatic way um, that uh, you can definitely do this at home. Um, I've got a couple more stories I'd share, but I don't know, Pam, is there anything you want to... Well, let me just... Yeah, that was pretty dramatic what you just shared with us. So let me just... Let me just unpack this just a little bit, just so that I'm clear and I understand and, and, and our listeners are going to understand. So basically, you're going into a landscape, which, you know, the folks that are there are, are, are doing good practices. They're doing, you know, um, permaculture or whatever they're doing, they're good practices. However, the land is, is holding the, the trauma, which, you know, also translates into stress, from... Um, from the abuse of the um, the people that were on the land, the aboriginals that were on the land at one time, you said that there was a massacre there. So, the, so the land is holding that kind of trauma and and stress. So you go in and clear that with, um, and maybe you might want to talk a little bit specifically about how you do that. Um, but you clear that. And so, so you so you work to heal that um, trauma, and then you open up a conversation with the elementals and the nature spirits, and say, "Hey, you know, we're, you know, we, we're telling a new story here. We, we this is, you know, we, we've got something else going on here now. These things have changed, and we want to be growing this crop. And this is the, you know, this is how, you know, we are, want to do that, and we want to do it in a." in a good way and without using chemicals or whatever. Um, am, I on, am I on the right track here? Is that basically what's you, going you on? Absolutely got it in a nutshell. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, yeah. tell me specifically what you do to heal the trauma of the land. What do you right. do? If, if I was um, your student and we went on that land, what would you tell me to do? Right. Um, <laughs> is that too big of a question or is that okay? <laughs> No, it's not. And um, the, the, the answer, uh, just, just as a sort of heads up, the answer to that question is I can give you, I can give you in five minutes. Um, I, I take up to two years generally to train practitioners in the field mm -hmm. um, just because it's, it's one of those things and, and you've got lots of them in your life. You can, you can describe a process uh, and understand it very easily. Um, but then uh, applying it in practice under random and various different circumstances, um, there's, there's a sort of, there's an arch to that. And so it's good for people um, uh, to have some kind of mentorship uh, if, you, if you try um, some of the healing processes at home. I, I don't in any way mean to engender um, fear or alarm um, but just um, some of the work that I do is extremely uh, sort of psychically hazardous, as it were, uh, just like working with nuclear radiation. It's fine as long as you put the suit on uh, and track your exposure time. Um, so sort of 95%, 80% of it, you know, is, is, is easy and 15% uh, of it's a bit of a push and then 5% of it's actually a little bit tricky. Um, and is good to have mentors and, and people. I've got a whole support network of people um, that I can check in with if I've run into trouble, either to get support on a job or refer a job or, or have them clean me off if I got too close to a um, some, some, something nasty and grumpy that got under my radar and, and got through my shield. Um, so just as a quick preamble to that, so that... Um, without fear and entrust that only the right things will occur. 
the 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 first two things we look at in healing landscape uh, that needs to be attended to is the presence of any uh, human ghosts and then the presence of any curses. Um, and a curse in this context would be some kind of binding, uh, self-perpetuating um, negative intention directed towards the place or the people there or some part of, you know, associated with that. Um, because um, whilst either ghosts or curses are still present or active, you can't really get a clear view of what else is going on. You can get a good view of it, but those things will actively work against your clear perception. And so we, we generally address those first. Um, and so um, you can check the order of, of the day depending on what the story is and what your perception or, 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 or dowsing uh, or, you know, however you get your, your messages. Um, with uh, ghosts, what we want to do is to um, free them from the earthbound plane that's consequential to their being in lower mind. Um, they've got locked in their beta state. Um, and so uh, process with that, there's many, many, many different techniques for spirit release. Um, I take a strategy of defining a, a containing area and um, that I, I, I work first by calling a, a competent psychopomp who's a, a, a high celestial being whose, whose job it is to bring us safely between worlds. Uh, I generally use Archangel Gabriel, but I'm very sensitive to which culture I'm working in and try and work with whoever that is for the Native American or the Aboriginal or the Celtic or whichever landscape I'm working in. Um, so, but uh, somebody to oversee and hold a bridge of consciousness uh, between earth plane and heaven realm, high celestial being or psychopomp, and then uh, surround the uh, ghost with infinite amount of unconditional love, and then to invite uh, the most trusted, known and trusted and loved friends and or family of that ghost who are themselves already free in the heaven realm to come back and in the most gentle, easy, loving and peaceful way uh, to invite them to go with them uh, back, back to heaven. And um, that strategy works most of the time. Um, as I say, there's, 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 there's edge points um, where uh, you need to be even more peaceful and even more patient and even more loving and even more compassionate uh, just to get past some ghosts will we'll have some of them some of them are disoriented and don't really know what's up or what to do about it some of them are still in role uh, doing what they knew to do when they were alive and some of them are frightened because they're ashamed or feel guilty and think that there'll be adverse consequences of going to meet their maker as it were and so those can be the trickiest ones to deal with um so in this case, with this, this story that you've told, uh, were, are, are most of these ghosts, would you say, Aborigines? Aboriginal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so okay. there's, 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 a very, there's a very sort of... Um, it's tricky as a white person under those circumstances, Pam, to come in and be doing that work for uh, the culture that we displaced. But uh, we displaced and dispersed it so thoroughly that they don't have their own people to do that for them anymore. Mm. And so um, it falls to whoever is in the landscape now, I think, to take care of, of whatever uh, is, is, is in the landscape that we find. Um, but definitely very sensitive to, 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 to working with that. And I, 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 would, I would tend, under those circumstances, to invoke an Aboriginal goddess and let her... Uh, through my human witness connect with because sometimes they need a human witness to, to do the bridge if they're stuck in lower mind um, they can't fully perceive the circumstance that they're in so there seems to be an element of human witness that I can I can see that they're there and hold the higher consciousness so I can act as a preliminary bridge and then their people can go through that bridge and get them the help that they need so I'm, I'm a 
I'm as standoffish and as little intervention as I can. I just, it does, it does seem that there's a human witness sometimes. Well, that's the missing part. Uh, if the ghosts don't get a human witness uh, to hold that higher mind, lower mind connection and let, let that reestablish so they can perceive the helpers around them waiting for them, um, that seems to be a key. So that's with ghosts, and then with curses, what we're looking to do is achieve a state of forgiveness. Um, and that, again, can be a little bit of an ask, because um, what's, what's uh, maybe obvious but uh, is, is to be deeply understood is when curses are placed, um, the party cursing is generally the victim or injured party. And then the adverse effects are going to happen on the party cursed. However, in doing this, we engender a karmic cycle. And so both parties then enter into a cycle of perpetual injury and, and harm. And so it's, 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 it needs to be broken, really, by a forgiveness, which appeals, we, we, we uh, seek to do that by an appeal to the higher mind or soul mind of all parties concerned, uh, and to include with them their companion angels um, and any spirit guides required, uh, and see if that can facilitate um, a release of the the dedicated negative energy that, kind of like a virus, once it's into a a system, will just keep on going generation by generation or uh, event by event. So curses we seek for forgiveness, ghosts we, we're looking to get them free and released. Um, the other thing uh, next up and, and, and sort of top three is demons, who are um, in every way like viruses. There's some inverse belief. They, they, they engender from the human mind, I think, first. And um, it's sort of the seven noble virtues of the same set as the seven deadly sins just flipped through 180. And so um, uh, respect becomes pride and love becomes avarice or jealousy or whatever, all, all, all those things. So, so the demon is, is just a, a waveform that's gotten distorted by being flipped upside down, um, as it were. And instead of being a carrier wave for love and truth, it becomes a carrier wave for uh, distortion and fear. And for as long as those are in the mix, again, you're not really going to get clear perception or clear communication uh, with the system at large or, or, or any particular parts of it. So um, uh, with demons, um, different traditions have different ways to deal with them. Um, uh, I generally get Archangel Michael um, to uh, define them, contain them. I imagine him throwing a gladiator's net of platinum and gold uh, over an area and sort of shrink-wrapping any demons and then just applying universal love until they um, uh, disapparate into bliss and light and return to pure, clear energy. Um, there's other techniques we can use as well, um, but uh, that 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 would be sort of at least a, a, a beginning insight into to some of the techniques that I'm using for uh, for that level of first order healing. And then beyond that, um, I working with landscape um, because it's always larger than we are. We tend to look for. Uh, uh, pathways of leverage, uh, doing healing one-on-one, we're about the same size and weight, you know, psychically as our clients. Uh, and so you can use a lot of your own sort of directed energy um, to do the job. Once you're out onto landscape, um, it's a bit like a veterinarian no longer working with cats, but now with elephants or rhinoceroses, it's bigger than we are. So we're always looking for leverage. Um, and uh, one of the huge keys to that is is using your mind as a compassionate witness and then sort of like air traffic control, uh, making requests of or connecting 
uh, and including into the conversation, asking for help from different celestial beings, um, uh, different of the archangels. Uh, Michael will work with boundaries and dragons, um, interdimensional portals, uh, etheric structure. Um, Gabriel will, will do any kind of uh, spirit release or reset of intentional uh, work. He's got air, Michael's got fire and water. Raphael will, you know, sort of effortlessly dissolve and disperse all, all the, the emotional residues uh, throughout the different realms. And then Uriel is great for sort of re-establishing definition, new structure, understanding between the angelic and earth. Uh, elemental consciousness. So uh, I'm sort of having a lot of conversations with with those guys, and then also with um, uh, whatever level of nature spirit intelligence is required for for, for management. Might might sometimes just go to a deity level and work with Pan and Anna, um, who's the the Celtic name for the landscape uh, goddess. Sometimes work there. Uh, sometimes you really need to be in communication with the regional water spirit because there's a trouble with a well or a river or um, uh, water quality for, for people or for animals. Um, sometimes you might need to be talking to the gnomes about soil regeneration and <clears throat> how many tons per acre of compost or lime or whether they want chickens or, you know, like that. Um, okay. Wow. <laughs> that, that's a brief insight into the. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, so it, this. It, how long does this take? How, like, I know this this one that you told about sounds like kind of a big job. But so, if I were to, you know, say, say, okay, like when you come visit me and I take you up to where, where the land was, you know, this property that adjoins mine was was logged, and it was it's been quite heartbreaking for me that this logging had happened um so and, and maybe that's a big job too but so i'm just trying to get my head like how long does this take could it take you know a week weeks months years i mean and maybe i don't know maybe it depends on on what's what what you're dealing with right um it it totally depends on what one's dealing with um but but overall, um, in terms of how long the um, the healing and communication work at a psychic and energetic level, um, uh, it's the communication is happening literally at the speed of thought, mm -hmm. um, and so very typically on a job site, say it's just a domestic home and garden. I might be there for two hours, an hour of that is chat with the client to make sure that I fully understand uh, everything about the place and the people and the circumstances and, and, and the concerns. And then I'll have them show me around and then I'll go and sit under a tree. And um, at some point I'll actually do, <laughs> you know, a psychic connection and work. That might only take five minutes mm -hmm. um, and probably... So it's, it's sort of, you know, um, there's a lot of, most of the time goes into orientation. Um, and then the actual energetic works pretty quick. Having said that, um, what's good is only to go as far as the system can easily accommodate. And that might not be the complete job. And so that's where the time comes in. Um, so a single intervention doesn't take, you know, necessarily more than a few minutes once you've got clear what the agenda is um, but then you may need to wait for three days or three weeks or three months um, before the system's ready for you to do more um, with farms I like to and, and with most properties I, I, I like to take a client on for a minimum of a three month review period um, and sort of 80-85% or more uh, of, of jobs will be finished within that time period um, okay. And the ones that aren't, you know, there's something special going on, like the, they're next to a, an open cast active mine that keeps blasting every day, or they're next to a, 
prison or a slaughterhouse or you know some 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 particular circumstance needs to be worked with further in order to be able to bring properly to redress okay so so basically in in any situation so any home any um, you know, I mean, houses sit on land, so, you know, they're sitting on top of something, and who knows what happened, you know, 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 5,000 years ago, so, and there's waterways that run underneath, um, you know, underneath houses and things like that. So basically, you're saying that this, this um, can be um, worked with in any situation, in, in really any any situation and 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 you would you would you would step in or a person may contact you if something is not right something's a little funky or something's or there's a lot of illness in the household or there's a lot of accidents in the household or you know is that what is that is am i right so things are just kind of not going well yes is that what you would say um I think I think sort of big picture is is in in traditional cultures, including our own, until not that long ago, um, it would be ordinary uh, to have a house blessing, um, okay. mm-hmm. which uh, properly, if it was done well, would include everything that I'm talking about. It would be a a healing and cleansing and renewal and resetting of intentions and boundaries and. Uh, establishing a, a connection with the spirit of place and introducing the new family. So, house blessing, you know, in inverted commas, should include everything we're just describing, and that would be absolutely normal. And we still have sort of, you know, the foundation stone setting ceremony, and the masons show up for public spaces. So, this is definitely something that people have always, always, already, forever, everywhere done. We just kind of forgot about it. Um, but I think that our relationship with place is one of the most primary that we have, um, and certainly one of the ones that influences our our mood and our mind and our thoughts and behaviours the most. So yes, at every scale, I think whether it's your bedroom or your office or your home or your, um, we I'd also say you know this is um, this is something historically and and more and more contemporarily that we do in our communities as well. Um, and um, as Pam knows, I'm, I'm currently working with three different communities uh, who are running um, uh, what generically would be called fountain groups, uh, where uh, people take on the role and task of blessing the town uh, as a collective entity, both in landscape and and the, the spirit of the community that's, that's married and, and hosted by that landscape. Uh, just to gently and and within you know ethic, obviously to uh, to keep all all energies clear and flowing in the local community as as well as in their own homes and businesses and and personal lives. So it's really just an extension, I think, Pam, of what we do every day for our own energies in terms of balance and maintenance. Just um, extending the same awareness and and practices that we do for ourselves into into the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and landscape that we uh, dance with, live in with. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that makes sense. Um, I know you have um, a great story because you've told it to me before about this. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if this was Australia or the UK where, where this happened, but um, where there was a spring that had had dried up, or the water on the on the land was you know was not. Um, surfacing, and um, can you, you you remember that story you told me? Can you tell us that one? Yes, I'd love to. Um, and um, many stories uh, now, uh, and and more and more awareness of of how water can respond to to human love and attention. But um, my very first experience of this. Um, uh, which I think is, is is the story that Pam's asking for is uh, we had a, a drought here about 15 um, years ago in Vermont and all of a sudden a number of our shallow springs were going dry and uh, the drillers were busy drilling deeper and the dowsers were busy dowsing deeper. Um, but in some circumstances uh, it wasn't possible to access um, 
uh, because of the size of the equipment used for drilling, and these had simply been very shallow dug holes on springs. So I was asked by uh, my dear friend Jen, who's godmother to my daughter and a best mate, to go and look because her three-foot deep spring in the woods had gone dry and what to do about it in a uh, remote rural location, awkward hillside, no chance of drilling. So we went, uh, another friend of ours, another Dazzler Sue, uh, together, and we went and interviewed the, the dry hole. And what was apparent was that the spirit or consciousness uh, or sort of perceptual energy field of the spring was still very strongly there, even though physically it was a dry hole. And so we had a point of communication. And in imaginal space, um, and through checking with dowsing, we established connection with it and um, asked if it was possible for it to re-establish itself. Uh, the answer that we got was yes. Um, then next question was, would it be willing to re-establish itself? A yes to that as well. And then uh, final question, anything that it needed from us in order to support that occurring. And we all got a very strong sense that what it wanted was for us to sing to us, sing, sing to it. And so we checked left, checked right, nobody else was around. <laughs> we were invisible deep in the woods, nobody could hear us. And so we had a go sing to it and loved it up and blessed it as best as we could. And then uh, within 48 hours and without a rain event, sure enough, this spring was uh, overflowing again with water uh, and continued to do so. Um, and I've had now uh several other springs like that uh literally uh, uh rivers in australia uh, bring their water level back up above ground level uh wells go up and down depending on whether they're loved up and acknowledged and sung to or, or ignored the water goes away so uh presence of water water quality and that whole communication with the elemental realm um, very traditional. We in the UK always would do well dressings on an annual basis, where um, a little bit like Mardi Gras, the, the wells would be garlanded with flowers, uh, and they'd be singing and dancing, kind of Maypole style, and there was a whole annual festival about the blessing and renewal of of the relationship with springs and wells and water uh, with the community. Or, or I would say all all of the work that I'm involved in and in describing has been forever embedded in the annual religious cycle of festivals and activities. The blessing of the field, the blessing of the plow, the blessing of the harvest, the blessing of the home, the blessing of the business, the blessing of the child. I think it's all, it's all one thing. Um, just we've, I think, uh, the Protestant Reformation, historically, we separated with God above us only rather than uh, goddess in landscape also. So it's, hmm. it's a sort of perceptual orientational shift that I think we're coming back to now in our in our move towards more balanced and holistic times. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds great. So, um, so basically, you know, all of our ancestors were have were doing this uh, for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And at a point in time, the the story started to change, and there was a shift. And now it's you know we've kind of gone into this. Um, amnesia place, but it's it's really about remembering, and it's really about stepping back into to this place of of blessing, knowing that there's spirit in all of life, and on, in the landscape, and in the home, and with our children, and on and on and on, and that we engage um, in, in in bringing blessings um, because spirit needs to needs to eat too, and so we feed through through making blessings. Is that kind of like? I I, I I totally, totally agree with everything you just said there, uh, Pam. It seems that human love is part of what fuels the system. Human love just is like rocket fuel or compost. <laughs> I don't want to mm-hmm. say human love is compost, but, you know, uh, it just energizes every living system, every consciousness. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, when we give loving attention, not only do we simply uh, energize the system, but we also create um, a rapport uh, that uh, a, a rapport for potential communication with whatever we give loving attention to. 
mm. whether it's a tree or a plant or a business or a child or a partner, obviously. Um, but just um, the elemental nature spirits, as you very well know, um, they're in the mix. They're being ignored. Um, we're sterilizing our landscapes. Uh, we're polluting our seas and our atmospheres. The missing piece is that we're not in communication with them. And um, we're sharing space with them. They've got solutions to problems. Uh, they, you know, obviously. So the missing piece, I think, is, um, as you say, uh, bless and love, because um, that helps and heals and harmonizes. And then, uh, secondarily, it creates that pathway where we can hear each other and um, come to common plan and agreement, I think, mm. in terms of our land presence uh, and management also. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. I'm sure that there's folks here that have a question for you. And the way that you can ask Patrick a question is you need to hit star 5 on your phone, and um, on my computer a little hand will go up, and that um, then I know that you have a question. So let's take a few minutes here to see what kind of questions you have. I mean, Patrick is a wealth of knowledge and information and, um, and in, incredible experiences. So uh, as you, I'm sure you are gathering that uh, by listening to him speak. So this is, a, this is an opportunity for you with a burning question that you may have about your, your own land or your um, – of course, you know, you might need to do a consultation with him about that. But um, just, you know, if you've got something that's like, oh, my goodness. This, I mean, I have, you know, I could, I think I could sit here and talk to Patrick for another, you know, two weeks um, <laughs> with, with all the questions I have. So anyone have a question, just hit star five and your hand will go up and I will unmute your phone so you can, so you can talk. And if nobody's going to ask a question, then I'll keep asking questions. But um, I just wanted to give everybody an opportunity. Geez, Sandy, I see your call. You called us from Ohio. I you've always got questions. I know you do. <laughs> with with all the good work you do in the world out there, working with the um, with the, Sandy um, works a lot with um, those folks who want to be fracking all around her, and so she um, she um, she gets a little up and up in the arms about that sometimes. But anyway. Not to put you on the spot, Sandy, but um, okay. So, um, so I want to know about um, when you when you talk about house blessings, um, and this is this is when, like, okay. So if if I were to leave my home and and move into another another space then kind of just automatically because there's all new energy coming into that space we would want to I would want to like kind of like introduce myself um to the new space and to the land is that right that 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 did that did perfectly um 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 and so just sort of pulling it apart a little bit um uh, house blessing as a general term i think um in my mind and the way that I use the term, and, and just to declare this, because <clears throat> so so much in all, all of this world, <clears throat> we sometimes use the same words to mean slightly different things, <clears throat> and uh, but the intention behind our meaning is, is what carries. So just to make sure that my intention is apparent to your audience here. So in my mind, a blessing is a, a, a transmission of purely unconditional love with no intention uh, or expectation behind it of any kind. It's it's what we call simple love or a sharing of universal love. And I think that that's the thing that most empowers and supports any system always at any time. And I think that it's 100% ethical for us to do that anytime, anywhere, to everything, um, because ethics only apply once we include specific intention. I think it's our nature to be loving beings and to share in the love of the universe. So... I think by loving things, that in my mind is a blessing, and it simply brings everything more to its state of natural health and, and thriving grace. Um, once we start adding specific intention, um, then we create patterns of our own, um, either imposed or, or received cooperatively, 
in terms, and, and some of those are very arbitrary, you know, where's the edge of my property? That's something that we've surveyed and agreed at a human level. It, in Vermont, as you know, often it, it does follow natural boundaries. It follows the ridge line or it follows the river. Uh, but very often, and particularly in urban areas, the divisions of space are, are purely human. And so um, there's an intention that we place in creating a, a, a human source psychic boundary to define our, our energetic bubble, as it were. And then um, within the house, the consecration of this is the bedroom and this is the kitchen, and, and absolutely just to introduce ourselves to the house spirit and establish that as, as a supportive, nurturing relationship. Um, and obviously, uh, prior to that, making sure that you know the previous folks haven't left the equivalent of dirty underpants in the corner uh, psychically, because sometimes you know people who are unaware, and even honestly, people who are aware in the best best within the world, I find places you know that have been vacated by Reiki masters, and they've left all the energetic portals open and. You know, ghosts are coming in because they still think there's a Reiki person there who will help them out. And uh, churches sometimes don't get deconsecrated properly when they're converted to domestic or other use. And again, you, you may need to sort of rearrange the energy so that it's contemporary and appropriate for current use. So that's really... But it's, it's, it's everything. It, it's nothing more than you do physically in terms of organizing and decorating and arranging a new space. It's just including uh, the awareness and interaction with the dragons and elementals and nature spirits and and other beings that are of intelligence and in the landscape so that they know who you are and what you're up to and um, how to party with you. <laughs> Sounds good. So we have a couple questions here. Um, I'm going to, let's see. Jen, are you there? You have a question for Patrick? Hi, Pam. Hi, Patrick. This is Jen. Um, so I have a question. If there is anything you know that we can do to help our land um, uh, deal with the changing weather patterns due to climate change. Right. Um, that's a big question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, with sort of ruthless compassion, um, I think that the land's probably gone through weather changes many times, um, from ice ages to volcanoes to um, droughts. And um, I think that um, uh, it seems land seems to accommodate natural change uh, in a rather seamless way. Um, uh, it doesn't accommodate human change. It seems like it's the human stuff that that, that is more sticky. Um, and so uh, I think, in truth, the real stress here is is our relationship um, with obviously the, the the change in fauna and flora and seasonality, um, and how we adapt to changing our behaviour, maybe changing what we grow or where we grow or how we grow it or um, or, or, or what insects or animals or, or, or plants are naturally present in our environment. Because I, I think that, you know, plants plants are opportunistic and uh, they'll grow wherever they, they can. And so um, what we might consider invasives is that's just opportunism. And that's, that's why the plants that are already here are here is because they're the ones that were able to establish and thrive in in the most recent climatic period. So um, I think that, um, I think in terms of what we can do in, in uh, land whispering, um, the interface between the, the, the growing conditions, the, the spirit of the field, as it were, and the spirit of the plant, um, uh, climate change is going to create more plant stress because we're going to try keeping growing things where they grew before and don't want to anymore. Um, and it seems like the most critical element um, when I'm doing that work is if you can get to the growing space before seed is planted and really spend time with the seed and spend time with the land. Um, in, in yogic agriculture in India, 
they'll they'll spend up to a month with the seed um, before they plant it, really uh, blessing it, loving it, and then a long time uh, making sure that the, the the soil intelligence gets it um, and knows what its its big ask is. Um, and so yogic ag- agriculture or mindful or prayerful. I think that probably the answer to your question is um, the more we can facilitate communication, um, then the more we can all move and adapt to what otherwise might be stress. It's either stress or opportunity, depending which way you look at it. Uh, and historically, uh, resisting change has been mostly stressful. So I think we want to sort of communicate more uh, and look for, for ways to adapt and um, just keep in touch with, with the changing system as it, as it evolves and finds its new norm. Hmm. That's just my opinion, however. <laughs> and, I might be I might be wrong and I might tell you something different tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> okay, we have um one other question. Sandy, you did raise your hand, so I'm gonna unmute you now. Hi Sandy. Do you have a question for Patrick? Sandy, can you hear me? Hello. Okay. I don't know where she is, but she had her hand up. Sandy, are you there? Yeah, there you are. Yep, I hear you now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, I do have a question about water quality. Um, And you talked about this some already, and I have been doing a lot with, you know, descending love and gratitude with the water. Now, I have noticed a change. But if there's really significant heavy metals, and if there's radioactivity, is it possible to work with elementals to help to shift that so it's healthy for humans as well as plants? Hello? Well, that's a, yes, that's a brilliant question. Um, the, uh, the answer to that is yes. Um, and, uh, the second answer to that is uh, keep, keep sending the water to the lab um, until you're sure of it. Um, I I, um, I keep getting my mind blown by things that I didn't know were possible that then show up and happen. And so I've learned not to limit my belief or expectation. Um, I have not personally, well, I've not personally worked with radioactivity, um, but a dazzler here in Vermont, Edith Green, I don't know if Pam River came across her, she she lives up in uh, Fairfax, I think, in the north, and um, she's passed on now, so I can only tell the story on her behalf. But she was hired by the town, I think, of Fairfax or one of the neighbours to to douse water for municipal wells, and she did so, and they drilled them, and they came in high in radioactivity. We've got a few scenes, actually, of uranium in in Vermont, and if the water runs through it, it gets radioactive. So they found they had unacceptably high levels. <clears throat> of radioactivity in the water uh, that she doused, and so they asked if there was anything she could do about it. She went back, and um, she had a good old chat with the water, and I don't know what she said. And as I say, I know she's she's passed now, but um, she did her thing, um, spoke fiercely, blessed the socks off it. They retested the water um, and discovered that it was now very low in radioactivity. to their shame, they did not believe that Edith could have changed that by her energetic intervention, and they assumed that the first test had been false, and they did not pay her bill. So, I just uh, that happens to dowsers, and as you guys have probably come across, we're we're working sometimes at the edges of of cultural credulity, and so. Uh, sometimes we can fall a bit foul of that. Anyway, she definitely got the radioactivity out of their water and they've been using their wells ever since. Um, I've definitely been able to get um, uh, sulfur content out of water um, and make it more palatable for sheep and cattle and I think some other minerals as well. Now, whether they're really leaving the water or whether they're solubilizing like they would if you applied magnets. I'm not quite sure. I've not been in a situation to actually analyze it. 
but I can say that the taste changes and the, the, the stock will drink it much more enthusiastically. I think probably anything's possible, but I would try it and then retest it and not assume um, that it works until you, you see that it has. Hmm. Okay, Sandy, you've got your next, your next job. <laughs> I, 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 truly, I, truly think, I truly think anything's possible, and the achieving of it requires um, just whatever state of mind it requires. Um, so I, I, I know there are things that I can't do yet because I've tried it and they didn't work, but other people have and I'll get there sometime. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Patrick, to just remind us that... Um, that anything is possible and and to not be limited in our belief system and um, this has been really wonderful talking with you today and we've we've gone over our time because uh, like I said you know we could keep on talking with you because you have you're just a wealth of information so I want to thank you so 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 much for being with us today Patrick it's been really wonderful and just for those of you who uh, would love to learn more about this and get you know, go deeper into the details and have the experience of it. Patrick and I have been been chatting about this, and I'm very excited by Patrick's work. And so I invited him to come here to my place at Sweetwater Sanctuary here in Danby, Vermont. Um, so, so he's agreed, and so we're working on setting uh, that up, and it'll probably be around mid-August, the 16th to the 18th, for a three-day workshop here at um, in Vermont at Sweetwater Sanctuary. So if, if you all are interested in learning more, um, you can do that. So uh, just put that on your calendar, and Patrick will be here uh, teaching us all about all this good stuff. So I just want to remind everybody that this teleseminar has been recorded. So you can go back onto our website and um, and listen to it. Again, if there's a piece that you missed and you want to go back and say, ooh, you know, I didn't quite catch that, then, you, then you'll be able to do that on our, on our website. I want to let everybody know that next month our teleseminar is on January 20th, and Mary Reynolds, who's from Ireland, will be with us. She's a, a very well-known landscape designer. I believe she's the only woman that won the golden, uh, a golden medal at the Chelsea uh, Flower Show in, um, in England. She's written a book called The Garden Awakening, and she basically you know, decided that the, the old way of landscape gardening was just like, this is not working for me, and she moved into it being more nature-centered than um, than anthropocentric, so people-centered. So that will be next month, and we hope that you all will join us with for Mary Reynolds. And I also want to remind everybody that this is that time of year where we're just so excited to give, give, give to everybody, and our hearts are just open. And now Patrick has reminded us that we want to just shower everybody with love wherever we go and, and the land and the good work that we do. So these teleseminars come to you free, and we're able to bring them to you free because every now and then you donate a little bit of money, a little gifting of money so that we can continue to operate and continue to do our programs, and we have a whole bunch of fun, wonderful, good stuff coming up in this next year. So please remember to visit our website, www.natureevolutionaries.com, and go to the support page and hit that donate button, even if it's five dollars a month you know that those recurring payments are really really helpful to us any amount five dollars ten dollars is really uh we're so appreciated so thank you all so much for being here today and have a wonderful afternoon and a wonderful holiday thanks so much for joining us bye bye now